Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, I am sitting here actually in the studio and uh, my uh, six Rhodesian Ridgeback puppies that are eight weeks old are uh, sitting with me and uh, you may hear an occasional puppy scream or puppy puppy chat. Um, and I'm watching it snow on March 31st and I don't know when this winter's going to end. Just when you thought it was safe to put away your winter coats, aha, Mother Nature is playing another game on us and teaching us that she has the ultimate control. Now, I don't know about global warming, but I could use a little bit in New Jersey right now because I'm pretty done with the snow here. It just seems like the winter that will never go away. Just like those people in your life who are just annoying and they just won't leave, it's like winter all over again. So... What we're talking about is the weather changes, a little bit about the different things that happen with dogs and with your shelter dogs especially who may be coming up from the Deep South or from the Midwest. Now, we've all had a real snowy year, as we know, and we know, but the problem is that a lot of times the dogs that come from down south or, or out west have a different series of shots than the dogs up in the northeast. Now, we've had a super, super wet, snowy, icky kind of winter. So what happens now with this wet, snowy, icky kind of winter is that we get all kinds of delightful protozoal infestations that that kind of pop up and can impact a dog, especially if you go to dog parks, if you're in a public location, or if you happen to be in an area that gets very snowy, and as the snow melts, suddenly you've got all this kind of crazy water, and there's blackbirds, and a lot of dogs can wind up with intestinal parasites and protozoal infections that, um, that can happen because they're exposed to locations where there are blackbirds, crows, things like that, birds, opossums. So you have Ehrlichiosis, Giardia, and, and a half a dozen others um, that are, uh, you know, Brucella, which is a, a breeding disease, but they can get that. So it's very important in this weather. If you see, especially in the springtime, like now till maybe May, you tend to get uh, a more common problem with dogs picking things up when they're walking around and they're basically... Um, licking their feet or they're coming in and stepping on their bed or they're, you know, dropping food on the floor and you bring it in on your feet. We don't realize how many things are in the soil, how many soil-borne protozoa and bacteria and all kinds of fungus and even parasites that are coming in, the eggs of which are coming in. Fleas are starting to hatch. So you have to really be aware and very, very conscious of the different um, types of things that can happen. Now, for instance, I know that two of our service dogs who frequent the same park wound up, both of them having uh, diarrhea, I know a pleasant subject to talk about, but having diarrhea and vomiting. Now, when you start getting a dog that has diarrhea and is vomiting and maybe isn't eating well, 
the first thing we want to worry about is making sure that the dog doesn't become dehydrated. Now, you say, oh, well, you know, dog will probably be fine. Well, it may be fine, but I had a, not a friend, but an acquaintance who had a, a lovely Rhodesian Ridgeback, and her dog uh, was a show dog. It wasn't, wasn't the, the best dog in the world, but it was a nice dog. She had her dog um, one day and had diarrhea and vomiting, and, it, you know, everybody's looking like, oh, you know, probably ate something. Well, when you have diarrhea and vomiting and the dog's not really drinking a lot, if they have enough diarrhea, they become dehydrated. So both of the dogs that we were worried about, we took them to the doctor waiting to see what they have. They'll do a snap test on them. But don't say, oh, gee, it'll be fine in a day or two. I'm not an alarmist, believe me. Having 40-something uh, dogs, and most of them Rhodesian Ridgebacks and then my, all my rescues, I am very, very, very big on taking dogs to the vet. However, I can do uh, more than most people because I know with horses and dogs, when you own a lot of them, you don't run to the vet because the dog has a uh, toenail that won't stop bleeding. You know, you, you have the wherewithal to do that yourself and to help yourself. So um, what I will advise everybody, if there is a problem with vomiting and diarrhea, um, especially if your dog isn't eating or drinking is the big thing. Please take your dog in. I've heard this is now the two service dogs and another lady actually who is, uh, you know, an employee at the same facility uh, where our dogs are. Also, her dog had the same issue and her dog frequents the same area. So be aware of that, not to be an alarmist, but you don't want to wait because the person I was telling you about earlier, her dog actually died. And it was less than 24 hours. The dog became so dehydrated, and he was not a particularly old dog, but his kidneys shut down, and he died. So, you know, don't think that, oh, well, it'll get better. If you have a worry, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. Um, so just not to alarm anybody, but be on the lookout, especially if you've got a service dog that is going out into places most dogs would not be. If it's a very wet environment, it wouldn't hurt to take a little warm, soapy water and wash their feet off when you get back in the house um, and try to uh, prevent that from happening and just be aware of where you're walking and make sure that the dog isn't eating anything off the ground that could be contaminated or isn't getting into, you know, bunny feces or opossum feces or things like that that are kind of known to carry that. So, all right, well, we are... Uh, Definitely having, uh, a, like I said, a little climactic weather era here. Um, this is going to be that winter that just doesn't quit. But the great part is that we will come up on spring soon, and there are going to be a lot of great things going on. We just had a huge, wonderful art auction for Merlin's Kids, and all of you know our Shelter Dog to Service Dog program at Merlin's Kids, which was the first of its kind and has had many people copying it and imitating it, but nobody equaling it or even coming close. But we had our art auction, and we sold quite a few uh, lovely, lovely pieces of art. And it was really a great event. The nicest thing was, though, the people who came. Everybody was dog lovers. Everybody was, you know, it was just like a big family. We had so much fun. And I think that's one of those things that sometimes we don't realize when you're doing certain things that, you know, when you share um, a very similar 
methodology and you share the same passion, everything is fun. It doesn't have to be a huge success to make it a success. But with us, we have such a wonderful base, and we have so many people who have applied recently to become either service dog trainers or handlers, to become canine behaviorists through unitedk9professionals.com. And the cool thing is watching people get into their passion and say, you know, I've loved dogs my whole life. I've loved dogs since I was a little kid, and now I want to help dogs, and I want to help the owners so that the owners don't have to give their dogs up. Well, that's where we come in. So United Canine Professionals, we actually train other people besides rehabilitating dogs with behavioral issues. We train people to do that and set up their own turnkey business. So then once you say, hey, I want to be a service dog trainer, you can also learn how to become a canine behaviorist, which is going to make you a better service dog trainer. We're going to talk a lot more about that in a moment when we return. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. NuVet Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial. No sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat-treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you are referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio. Or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com. Order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Change it up a little bit. I've had so many people ask me if that little uh, intro that I say was pre-recorded, but no, it's not. It's just that I'm so passionate about doing this, and I love doing these shows. This one on Tuesday nights and also for the love of dogs on Friday nights. Because I get to talk about dogs. And it's so much fun to see like-minded people. Now, one of the things we started talking about was different illnesses and diseases that can pop up at certain times of the year. There are so many different things that can happen, and sometimes people don't realize that the most important thing is that when you do finally rescue a dog, you take the dog, and let's say you get the dog in New Jersey or you get the dog in Connecticut, but that dog may have come from the Midwest. The dog might have come from deep south, from the Carolinas, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, wherever. And 
for instance, in Arizona, there's a whole different set. There's something. Uh, there's while well, you have in, in the northeast, up in north, you have Rocky Mountain spotted fever, which is something that's up in New Hampshire and Vermont and Maine. And then you have valley fever, which is out in the Arizona area. And we have different ticks and fleas and things all over. So if you do have a dog who you've gotten recently within the last month or two, and the dog may have come from a shelter or rescue somewhere else in the country, think about it and make sure that, you know, you've told your veterinarian where that dog came from. Because like I said, unfortunately, a lot of times you have a situation where the dog, you know, came from another area, and your veterinarian in New Jersey might not be thinking that this dog just came from a foreign area. You say, oh, I adopted the dog. Where would you get it? Oh, I got it at the shelter in New Jersey here. Well, that's great, but it's very possible that that dog could have something that's indigenous to the area where it came from, and you're not obviously telling the doctor where the dog came from. You might not even know. So when you do rescue a dog, try to find out from the rescue group where the dog came from. Because that's so, so important to uh, figuring out what could possibly be wrong with a dog. The other thing that happens a lot of times is you have different locations where this dog um, might have gotten vaccinations. There are four ways. There are five ways. I've seen dogs who are so over-vaccinated that they wind up with autoimmune issues. So again... When you first get your dog the first month or two, not only are we going to be concerned about behaviorally what could happen with the dog, but we're also going to be very, very aware of where the dog came from, what shots he might have had. Um, For instance, dogs that are coming from, you know, Arizona, there really aren't a lot of ticks or anything. There's just not certain, certain bugs there. But now they come out here and you're giving them, you know, vaccinations uh, that, you know, you would give a dog in New Jersey, well, the dog might not have had a booster for that. Dog might not have had a, a, a vaccination for that particular illness. So, again, make sure that when you do adopt a new dog that you know where the dog came from, a full vaccination history, and where the dog was from because that will really have an impact sometimes on what the vaccinations and the different things that the dog has been exposed to. All right, so... Eventually, we'll be in spring. That'll be lovely. And then we're going to have the old adage about, well, how do we train our dog when we've been inside the whole winter? Well, I see so many more behavioral issues in the winter than I do in the summer. Well, in the winter, who wants to go out? I don't even want to go out tonight. It's icy and snowy and raining and disgusting because of global warming here in New Jersey. So it's not a really great night. So who wants to take their dog out? Well, what happens, and it doesn't have anything to do with exercise, we stop taking our dogs out for a walk. And those of you who have had dogs with behavioral issues or mild behavioral issues might see an escalation of the behaviors going on because we're not taking the dogs out. Now, why aren't we taking them out for a walk? Because it's disgusting out and freezing cold. But dogs need to go out for that hunt. They need to go follow you on that hunt. So you're actually going out and you're you're walking your dog with a purpose. You're not going out and just walking the dog for him to go pee and poop. But you need to remember what we do. Hunt, wait, eat. You've got to go and make sure that you're uh, 
you know, going to be able to, uh, you know, give that dog what he needs and make sure that the dog is going to be following you on the hunt. You come back in, wait 15 to 45 minutes, and now you come back. Well, what do you do? You can go eat yourself if you want to go eat something. You can go feed your kids. You can go watch TV for a little bit. You can, um, you know, do anything. You can check your email. You can check clothing, see if you lost any more weight. Go weigh yourself, whatever you want to do. Go check whatever. The key is when you're out doing these different things is that you're not feeding the dog immediately upon coming into uh, your house. You want to take the dog out for a walk with the dog beside you or behind you, and you go through the door first. You know the whole drill that we talk about uh, periodically here and on our Friday night show. Well, one of the main things to do is to get your dog out. Now, how about if it's, you know, 40 below zero or 80 below zero like in Alaska? You can still walk your dog in the basement or in another area that you don't frequent uh, very often. And this way, you're still simulating that dog following you on the hunt. It's super important, especially if you're ready to try to train your dog to be a service dog. Now, if you have a service dog and, you know, you're having issues with the dog, well, go back to what it was that, uh, that you started doing that was working. Well, a lot of places, and there are probably at least 80% of the places out there and the people out there who claim to train service dogs uh, not only are completely unqualified, but are putting out subpar dogs. It's really a shame. But it seems like everybody the last two or three years, everybody's saying, oh, I'm going to be a service dog trainer. I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to raise a puppy and call myself a service dog trainer because then I can charge people thousands of dollars, people who are needy. I'm going to charge them to do this. And unfortunately, most of the people out there are charlatans, and I'm going to tell you that. I'm sorry to say, but vast majority are. There are three or four other really reputable agencies like Merlin's Kids and United Canine Professionals that do a great job. They charge you $30,000, but, you know, you're better off paying somebody like that $30,000 than eight or $10,000 to, um, you know, a private person who, you know, oh, I'm an obedience trainer. Well, it's lovely you're an obedience trainer. Obedience training has zero to do with service dogs. You have to have a dog who's well-behaved, not a dog who's a robot. So if you, tell, if you have to tell the dog to sit and lie down and do all that, it's not a service dog. You wouldn't imagine having a guide dog who you had to say, okay, now um, make sure I don't get hit by a car and make sure you stop at the curb and make sure you alert me if there's something overhead that I'm going to whack my head into. You wouldn't do that. Same thing with any kind of service dog. That service dog should do everything on his own. So if you've purchased or had somebody train a service dog, quote-unquote service dog for you, the most important part is to go back to that person and say, stand behind the dog. I've heard lately, and there was someone in California, there was another one in the Midwest, uh, there's another one in Texas. There are quite a few places that have popped up recently and are already out of business because the people were Charlotte and they didn't know what to do in the first place and they were looking to make a quick buck on the backs of either our veterans or special needs kids. Either way, that's really, I can't use the word I want to, but that is so wrong on so many levels and hopefully they'll go straight to hell like my old builder in St. Martin used to say. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about how you can train your dog 
uh, and fix your dog, who may be a service dog, in a few minutes. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo to find environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be healthy goo, healthy. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf and Wyatt and Brandy and Wispa and six of the most beautifully well-behaved and gorgeous Rhodesian Ridgeback puppies you've ever seen. And they are right here with me and they're not even saying a word. They are just so good. And, you know, it's funny because I've got six out of six of these guys who could absolutely be service dogs. And the other puppies that I've got as well absolutely can be service dogs. Now, part of it, yes, is the breeding. Part of it, you if you know what you're doing, which very few people do um, in breeding, but if you know what you're doing, you can breed some gorgeous, well-conformed dogs. One of my pet peeves is when people breed dogs and they pay no attention to confirmation. You're going to have a service dog that's going to be working and it's going to be either physically supporting you or a part of your life for a very long time. And believe me, you don't want to have your dog break down or die of cancer at five or six or need a double hip replacement like some of the guide dogs I've seen where their their confirmation is just hideous and they're cow-hocked or splayed, their hips aren't formed right, um, or dogs that are winding up dying at four and five of cancers. If you're going to breed dogs, then breed to better your breed. Don't breed mixed breeds. Don't make different oodles and poos and, and, you know, cocker spaniel sharpays and these crazy, ridiculous things because you're messing with nature. You're messing with genetics. And unfortunately, once you breed them, they're there. And now it's the poor dogs and the, the future owners who are going to wind up paying for double hip replacements, losing their dogs to cancer. And there's just no reason for that to happen. It's really, really a shame. But when you're breeding, so now I've got these six gorgeous, gorgeous Ridgeback puppies here. They're eight weeks old. They already are housebroken. Yes, at eight weeks. And I mean reliably. I can walk out. I was out for about six hours today. They did not have an accident. Six eight-week-old puppies, not one accident. I let them out. They all went potty, peed and pooped did their business, come in, they don't jump on me, they, they you know, with invitation, they'll come up and, and jump up on the couch with me. I'm very careful. You don't want to let puppies that young um, jump off the couch because they can hurt their growth plates. So you want to be careful with your puppies until they're uh, 8 or 10 months old at least when the growth plates start closing, and then you don't have to worry as much. But you do have to be careful. One of our people who is uh, has a little adorable little poodle 
her puppy um, was about five months old and doing very well, and she had the puppy up on the couch with her, and the puppy suddenly jumped off, and guess what? Broke its growth, growth plate and it's cast right now and needed a surgery. So you just want to be careful. That's just common sense. Don't let a puppy jump off, especially onto a slippery floor because they hit hard and they can then hurt something else as well. Now, we're talking about trying to retrain or train your service dog. If you have a service dog and you spent $30,000, go back to whoever you gave that money to because they made $20,000 or $18,000 profit on you. You go back and free of charge, they ought to fix that dog. Now, if they didn't train you, then that's shame on them. But if you didn't ask them for any kind of guarantees when you're, you know, paying $30,000 and buying a dog instead of getting one through, like, Merlin's kids, which we don't take any uh, profit, we do most of it for free. And if you do need a dog and we can't help you with the dog, the worst that you're going to have to pay is what our cost is. Now, I know what it costs. I know what it costs to, to do it the expensive way of getting a dog from a shelter or rescue. And certainly, if you're breeding dogs, um, breed the right ones. Breed them to keep the breed, to keep to the standard, because trust me, people through, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years have been better judges of what type of dogs are going to, um, you know, be uh, a long-lasting and have great longevity and, you know, not break down than some people going, oh, gee, let's see what it looks like if I mix these two. Just reminds me either of Brave New World or Hitler. Like, let's see, we're going to make everybody tall, blonde, with blue eyes, and they'll all be Aryan. Well, that's kind of scary. Why are we doing that with the dogs? Keep to the breeds that you have that have proven themselves over thousands of years and stick with that and breed to better those breeds. There are plenty of awesome dogs out there. You do not have to make money for somebody who's charging a lot of money for a mutt. If you want a mutt, go get a mutt because we love to rescue. You can even rescue a purebred dog. But stop buying these mixed-breed designer disasters because you you think, oh, I rescued the puppy from a pet store. No, because you bought that puppy that puppy's mother and father are staying in that um, hellhole that they're probably living in, that puppy puppy mill backyard breeder person or company who's got dogs in cages and they're just breeding and breeding and breeding on every heat cycle. And this poor mama dog, by the time she's five years old, has had eight litters or nine litters. So that's what you're perpetrating and perpetuating. You're continuing it, and you're creating it. So stop buying dogs in pet stores and stop buying mixed-breed dogs from people who are just doing it to make money, and all they care about is breeding and breeding and breeding so they can make more money. Stick with a breed that's established or rescue. That's what we at Merlin's Kids do. We rescue so many, probably at least 80% of our dogs are rescue dogs. Why do we do that? Because there are some amazing dogs out there we can evaluate the adult temperament. Uh, today I was just uh, actually doing two TV interviews and a newspaper interview. We were also on the radio on a very, very big radio station who was talking about what we do. And it's very exciting for people to, you know, to talk about what we do at Merlin's Kids and United Canine Professionals. 
we've put t- uh, service dogs into true service dogs that have a thousand hours or more of training into them into schools and different facilities, including courtrooms. Now, what's going to happen is, as everybody starts hearing about it, like with my cancer detection dogs, my real-time dogs, people say, oh, I can do that too. Well, guess what? Unless you have 35 years of experience like I do with canine behavior and a bunch of degrees from Columbia University and experience with special needs kids and psychology and everything else, you are not me. You can't do what I can do. So if you want to learn how to do it and you want to learn it the right way, then you can come to our classes and you can do some of the distance learning and some are um, hands-on. Most of it requires a a great deal of hands-on. And you can contact us at unitedk9professionals.com or at 855, the number 4, the letter K, the number 9, pros, 855-4-K-9-PROS. Or you can contact us at merlinskids.org, M-E-R-L-I-N-S-K-I-D-S.org, or 855-HI-WYATT, and we will help you. We will teach you the right way. I'm very happy to teach people. I want to teach people what I do. I want to clone me, but I can't because it's too expensive. I can't even afford the $80,000 to clone Wyatt and, and his mother, Willow, that I have clones grown and waiting. The key is doing it the right way, not doing it catch as catch can, not saying, oh, gee, Ma, I want to go do rescue dogs. Now I'm going to turn them into I can do be a dog trainer. No, you can't. It's not about training the dogs. It's about making sure that the dogs are well-behaved, they have the right temperament first, and then building on that. And the only way you're going to build on that is if you know from somebody who's done it for 35 years, somebody who just does it over and over and over and learns from their experiences. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. We're going to teach you a little bit more about how to train your dog. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about training your dog. First, I want to talk about a little bit with food. When you have a dog who has allergies or itching or hot spots or your dog isn't feeling well, or he's gassy, or any of those things that you would say in a human, oh, wow, you know, maybe there's something he's eating. One of the things is that you have to boost your dog's immune system. Keep your dog as strong as possible. Now, I use an all-organic food, and it's like literally 99% organic. That's what my dogs deserve, and so do yours. But not everybody can afford that. But what you can afford is the best vitamin supplement out there, and uh, there is something, and, and they do help us with our show, NuVet, N-U-V-E-T.com. We use NuVet 
And all of our service dogs are on, if they're small dogs, they're on one a day. If they're large dogs, they're on two a day because it prevents them from showing the signs of stress. And when you're doing things like, let's say, when you have a, a dog who is under stress or traveling a lot, we double up on them. Now, what that is is it's made in a human pharmaceutical lab specifically made for dogs. And there's also a joint complex, um, which is really awesome, called New Joint. And what's nice about it is you have to buy directly from the manufacturer because they don't sell it to the box stores. The reason they don't do that is they don't want to wind up having a bottle of vitamins be 100 bucks. So they sell it directly um, to breeders, which is where they got their main start. And I am a Rhodesian Ridgeback breeder for nearly 30 years, so that's how I know about NuVet. Uh, about 15 years, NuVet came uh, uh, 15 years ago. NuVet started, and um, we all saw it, and we started trying it. And let me tell you, my Ridgebacks have lived longer, been healthier, and put more muscle on, and just look and feel so much better since we started them on the NuVet like 14 years ago. It is just a great product. If you want to order it, you can go on their website. It's www.nuvet.com, N-U-V-E-T.com. Um, if it's a small dog, you want to have uh, one vitamin. If the dog is over 50 pounds, 60, 70 pounds, up to 100, you should give them two. If it's a young dog and it's healthy, you can give them one. But when you start having a dog who's a little older or it's under stress or has itching or allergies um, or is uh, recovering from illness, or has, you know, Giardia or Lichiosis, you want to get the dog, um, the immune system bumped up. And you can tell them that it's Merlin's Kids, and you heard it on the radio with Merlin's Kids, M-E-R-L-I-N-S-K-I-D-S, or you can use, I believe, our order code. Uh, if you want to order, you have to have a code to show that you are, are basically being referred by uh, a pet professional. It's 40560. 40560. Check that out, though. And there's a really beautiful website. It explains all the things that are on it. And uh, we do that with all of our dogs. All of our service dogs go out with that vitamin and with either the organic food that I use, which is amazing, or with another super premium food. Now, here's another thing. When you've got your service dog or you've got your dog who's growing, you don't want to overdo the protein especially with a larger dog because you can impact the growth plate and they can get something called panosteitis, which we breeders and vets call pano, P-A-N-O, because it's panosteitis. Um, what happens is the dogs get like growing pains in the long bones of their legs and sometimes it can actually bow their legs out and it's not good at all because you can't fix it. If you don't catch it pretty early, um, the legs can actually bow out it's really a shame. I've seen a few dogs that had that, and the owners were too, didn't, you know, didn't realize what it was. So you have to cut the protein down, and sometimes you have to even cut the calcium down. You have to slow the growth. So that's just something that, because a lot of people are getting dogs now and have puppies, don't try to make your puppy bigger by giving him higher protein. You may just wind up blowing his growth plate. Remember, and don't let the dog jump out of things either. Now, well, how do you socialize your dog? Because this is a big thing. You get your puppy at eight weeks or six weeks, which is also way too early. You should not be getting a dog until 
the dog is a minimum of 12 weeks. At 12 weeks, it has gone through all its primary and secondary socialization. The dog has gone through all the different phases that are going to be challenging until it is 12 weeks old. Then you've got till the dog is about four months old. So you've got best time to get a dog between 12 and 16 weeks because between 12 and 16 weeks, the dog learned all of his uh, basic manners from his mama and hopefully from his uncles and aunts and everybody else who's there. And the dog is, you know, basically idiot-proof at that point, as, as well, mine are anyway. So at 12 weeks, I start letting people pick up their puppies, not before that, because I don't care. I know it costs me probably a couple thousand dollars extra if you just look at, you know, giving a litter of puppies shots that are a hundred and some odd dollars a puppy. You know, most people want to get them out and they give the shots at six weeks um, to get the dogs out, like in a pet store where they're eight weeks old. That first shot is useless. You never want to vaccinate a puppy before eight weeks of age because, before eight weeks of age, the puppy has the natural immunities from the mama dog. So when you end up giving your dog vaccination, you're basically destroying what mama dog's immunity is, and now the puppy has no immunities. And this is where a lot of puppies at that age get wind up with parvo um, and different things. The other um, miscommunication and misunderstanding is that People think that, like, oh, I got my dog all his shots so he can go out tomorrow. No, it takes up to two weeks, sometimes even a little more, for the puppies, once they receive that vaccination, for the vaccination to kick in and for their antibodies to start kicking in. So for you to take the dog to the dog park the day after his shots, you are jeopardizing him. And you got to be careful of that because you don't think about it and then your puppy winds up with some horrible, you know, illness, and it was because you gave him shots, then you just took him out too quickly. So, you know, be smart for your puppy. I know everybody's like, oh, I want to take my puppy out. And all. Well, that's great, but, you know, if you want to take your puppy out and it's going to cost him his life, is that really a bright idea? So let's talk a little bit also about how to socialize your dog. Let's say he's 12 weeks old or he's 16 weeks old, and now he's gotten all his rabies by, by 16 weeks. Um, I also don't think that is a good idea, as most of my veterinarians agree, uh, for a dog to receive the, like a five-way and a rabies on the same day. We do. We spread them out so that they're, uh, you know, they're uh, over the course of, like, let's say every two weeks, the puppies are getting two different shots instead of getting every four weeks the puppies are getting, you know, six shots or five shots. Um, you want to make sure that you're not overwhelming the, the puppy system, really. It doesn't make sense to, to do that when, you know, your veterinarian, maybe he or she wants to um, do it more quickly, but actually um, by doing that, it's, uh, it's really not good for the puppy. It, it's actually quite bad for the puppy. So let's talk for a moment. Uh, about some more training, and we're going to get a couple more tips coming up. Uh, but for right now, let's uh, let's imagine that we've got our own puppy, and uh, the puppy is doing great. He's really lovely. He's doing wonderfully. And uh, we're taking him out and socializing him, and another dog bites him or growls at him, and you pull the dog back. Like, you're you're freaked out. Oh, no. Let's talk about that in a moment. Now, what do you do? How do you get through that moment 
where your dog gets growled at or snapped at or bitten by another dog, because that can ruin his career as a service dog. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H dot com. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, we're going to talk about what do you do when your service dog or your puppy, who you're training, comes across a problem with another dog. Well, the first thing is you come across this and you start working on it and you are playing with your puppy and you've got him out and you've got little kids around him and all. What some people make a mistake of is introducing the dog too quickly to too much. So now just imagine for a moment, you take this dog and you're taking a puppy who's been pretty sheltered, right, for the first 16 weeks of its life, and you start taking this dog out all over and introducing it to a lot. Now his immune system is is okay, but still young, and he still can be exposed to other things that he wasn't vaccinated for. So you want to keep him from getting overwhelmed or flooded. You don't want the dog to end up being one of these situations where, um, you know, you're doing too much too soon, and now the dog all of a sudden has a bad experience that could cost him his future as your service dog. And this is true with any dog, any puppy. You want to be sensible. You don't just take your dog and say, let me see how he is doing this or that. Don't take your dog on a four-hour car ride the first time if you can help it because he may have a gentle, very soft uh, digestive tract. He may get nauseous. He may get to a point where he's going to throw up, and he might have a bad experience. So little things like that. Teach him how to get up into the car, and not just from one door, but from many doors. It's another thing people neglect to do. If you want your dog to come up and to get into your sedan, then teach him in your sedan as well as in a hatchback. And it's great if you have a friend who's got another type of car, like if you have a sedan, try to find somebody, you know, maybe a friend, who might, you know, let you borrow the the vehicle. You don't even have to drive in it. But just teach your pup how to get up into the car from different areas, from left side, from the right side, from the back door, from the hatch. And get him used to walking in and out and um, and understanding that when he gets in, he's going to sit quietly and calmly. Because this way, 
he starts really getting very good and very um, understanding of, uh, of what you're asking him to do. But use different vehicles. I've seen dogs who won't get into one particular vehicle because it has the new car leather smell or that, you know, that new car smell, and the dog has never been exposed to that. So now, you know, a six-year-old dog who's never smelled that, and now he won't get into the car. The other thing that people do is they let the dog jump out without teaching the dog to wait before jumping out. Why is that important? Well, you don't want a situation where your seven-year-old child opens the door and the dog jumps out into traffic. You want to make sure that the dog has permission to go into the car as well as out of the car. You want to be especially, especially careful that you're going to have uh, the dog learn the manners and learn the rules of before you're going to go into a door, out of a door, through a hallway, uh, in and out of a car, a crate, whatever it is, that your dog is going to require, be required to ask permission. Now, why is that important? Because we want the dog to understand that we're in charge and he's going to follow us in. So if he's going to follow us in, then we have to go first. But he has to learn that he's got to wait for us. Now, you can teach him wait, 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 or you can just teach him in each situation, what do I need to do? Okay, well, I can't just get into the car or out of the car without permission. Well, that's the same as the front door. So when the dog can't go into or out of the front door or the back door or the side door or the car door or the crate door without your permission, the dog will then extrapolate that and understand that, okay, I'm only allowed to go into or out of this situation with permission. That's a great thing because that's going to keep your dog safe. The worst thing in the world is to have a dog who runs out of a door and gets hit by a car or gets injured or gets hurt by another neighbor's dog who might be walking by. Or if your dog is at all dog aggressive, well, you shouldn't be even thinking about having it as a service dog, but we can fix that at United Canine Professionals. You know, the, the goal here is for you guys to be able to take your dog anywhere. And if you want the dog to be certified, once you train it and you follow all of our rules, and, and many of you have called and you want to train your service dog, and we'll have our service dog training classes actually starting um, this April for people who are interested in, uh, you know, doing all the, the things that we do. Um, but it's great because to be able to train your own dog to be a service dog gives you a sense of accomplishment as well. But the problem is, you don't know what you don't know. You haven't done this 1,300 times. You haven't trained hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of service dogs for each of the different purposes. Well, I have, and our team has. So we want to help you, and we'd love for you to come on board and join us at United Canine Professionals and Merlin's Kids and learn how to do this or work in a school with a service dog. Or who knows, even, you know, working with, with somebody who is a special needs or working in, in different situations that we have available for people. We have great opportunities available. But the key is teaching your dog, not training your dog. Continually teaching your dog what you want him to do and then not worrying about him being trained for a specific thing, but really having him instead 
understand what you want him to do. If he can understand what you want him to do, then you're going to have the best dog in the world. But if you're worried about telling the dog, okay, sit, 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 lie down, 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 you're really not training a service dog. A service dog should be automatic. A well-behaved dog, like a pet or a companion dog, you have to tell them what to do. But a well-behaved service dog is going to be a dog who is not having to be told everything, but rather the dog is just waiting to for a specific situation, and when the dog is in that specific situation, he will behave in a certain manner. So how do you do that? Well, first thing is having the dog uh, ask for permission to go in and out of doors. That's a huge thing. That's something we spend weeks just on that. Because if you don't understand why the dog is going to do that and why the dog, uh, you know, is, is not listening, then you're never going to be able to fix it. So, again, one of the most important parts of this is to make sure that your dog, when you're training it to be a service dog, understands that once you put that vest on, the, the dog is working. It doesn't matter if you're sitting there, lying down, on a bus, on a plane, when that vest is on, we don't socialize. We don't have people petting the dog. He's not socializing and interacting with other animals. He doesn't have little kids all over him. So that the dog understands, hey, when my vest is on, I have to follow these rules. But remembering that the dog needs to be following those rules all the time, not just in vest, not just in harness. He's got to actually be following those rules so he knows that no matter what happens, this is what I do and this is how I behave. If you want to know more, you can read my book, my latest one called Shh Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101. You can get it on Amazon, and you can get it for your Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the free Kindle software like I did, and uh, you can access my book. But it's great because it gives you the rules not only for a service dog, but for any well-behaved dog. And if you follow that and you read the book, and you want to give me a call, you can call the 800 number, 855-HI-WYATT or 855-4K9-PROS, and we will be happy to give you some additional help free of charge. Again, please make sure if you want to do this that you're going to do it right. Don't try it and ruin your dog. Well, I'm sorry, but again, our time is over. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to hopefully seeing you and hearing from you during the week. And please, I hope next time we've got a 60-degree day instead of this horrible winter that won't go away. Have a wonderful week. Be healthy. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. 